we don't live in a society that teaches you about pleasure or sex or the impact that it has on you. And so rather than you having to play the game to hide things about yourself, can we play a game that's actually serving us? Fuck, our sex is so good. We want a male that's gonna fucking kill when we get attacked. But if we can kill you, then like, are you really trustworthy? So I was stalking your Instagram and I'm obsessed (laughs) with everything you post and like literally everything you're about. That's why I reached out. Um, Was there anything that like happened that inspired you to go down this path of female empowerment and sexuality and all the things? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Do you want to go into the full story? Yeah, go for it. Um, So my journey started about almost a decade ago now, and I started in the health and fitness industry. Um, I was like, I found holistic health coaching and and all of my decisions at that point in my life were really stemming from a place of wanting to achieve perfection, whatever that meant to me at that time, it was always shifting. Mm -hmm. And so nutrition was the first thing that I really tried to tackle. And I thought to myself, okay, if I can just really master nutrition and I can figure out all of these things, like then, then I'll be happy. Then I'll be whatever, fill in the blank. Right. And so I started holistic health coaching school and tried every different dietary box in the sun, every different dietary theory and like to call them diet boxes. And Mm. I landed on raw veganism for about three years and it was great. I loved it, but it was really like a socially acceptable way to deprive myself of what I, what I personally truly needed. And so I ended up after the three years with really severe adrenal fatigue and I started to add meat back into my diet and really realized two big lessons at that point. One, you can eat 100% organic juice every day, smoothie every day. If it's not right for your specific body type, it's not going to work for you. And then also if you're not looking at all of these other layers who you are, like your social layer, your sexual, emotional, the physical level is only like one little piece of the puzzle, right? And so I was in a relationship that really just wasn't serving me at that point anymore. And so I, I added me back into my diet, exited the relationship, started to really heal. And then I found the world of fitness and bodybuilding. And so I became a registered yoga teacher. I started teaching boxing. I taught boxing at UFC gym for about four years. And then I discovered the bikini fitness competition world and was like, that thing, that'll be the thing that I do for the rest of forever. I can eat broccoli, chicken, and rice all freaking day. I got this. And so I did. I ate broccoli, chicken, and rice pretty much for a lot of days. <laughs> until there were no carbs left to cut out of my diet. And uh, all of my eating disorders came back from high school. I was experimenting with PEDs. I was struggling with substance abuse, like, and everything was still stemming from this perfect body, perfect image mentality. And so about two and a half years into my competing journey, I, it was one binge in particular where I don't know if you know Target very well, but they're so great at seasonal things. And so for some reason, I would always compete in the fall time and it would be pumpkin season. And I would convince myself that I could go there and buy these snacks that were seasonal at the time and save them for after the show, but they never made it till after the show. And so it was one night in particular, I was on the way home from UFC gym and I stopped at Target and I got a box of seasonal Oreos and a jar of peanut butter and 12 minutes. I 
blacked out, was like in my driveway, covered in peanut butter. My my steering wheel was covered in peanut butter. The gear shifter was covered. There was, I ate like three quarters of the jar. The Oreos were gone. I was like tossing cookie, half the cookies out the window. Like it was a, it was a dark moment. And I remember wow. just pulling into the driveway and looking in, at myself in the rear view mirror and being like, for who and for what are you doing this? And you know, this is not going to be your forever path. So it's kind of like now or never to decide that you're going to be over this behavior. And so I ended competing and I really started on this journey of self-love and healing the relationship that I had to myself, body and food. And once I really started to clear those mountains, it was like, I could see all of these other things that I just didn't have the space to see before. Cause I was so focused on the body and the food. Mm-hmm. And so I started to see that I was so self-abusive with myself, right? Whether it it be through those avenues, but I also found that I had an abusive pattern with partnerships. I had multiple partners and with orders of protection. And there was one relationship that I ended with, ended with a big sexual trauma that just frankly cracked me wide open and left me really kind of locked out of my body and just felt like I was broken open. And although we all have a choice, it it felt like I didn't in that moment. It felt like this is your moment to look at the childhood stuff that is causing you and creating these patterns in your adulthood. And so I started on this deeper spiritual transformation journey. And it wasn't until I got into the intimate space once again, that I realized that all of the therapy and all of the counseling, while it was working and making progress, it still wasn't tapping into anything on the body level of things. Mm. So as soon as I would get out into an intimate space and try something new with a new partner, my body would lock up and I would hit deeper levels of emotions that I just didn't have access to at like a, at, at a level where no one was poking at the wound. And so I started to look at my sexuality, started to look at my womb space and realized that that was probably the area that had the most charge for me that I just didn't want to look at. Cause I didn't, deem it as important. We don't live in a society that teaches you about pleasure or sex or the impact that it has on you. And so I did a really transformative somatic sexological healing journey. And then that's been my path ever since. That's an incredible story. Um, I love that now you're focusing on female pleasure. What has been, I know you coach people, correct? Mm -hmm. So what has been the most um, helpful tool for your clients that has allowed them to explore their sexuality in a deeper way? I think my first answer would be, I have so many, I would say self-pleasure. And I want to first kind of define what self-pleasure is because I think that when I first started getting into this field, like the word masturbation would get thrown around and like, you just kind of cringe when yeah. you hear that word masturbation, like all like, the times, taboo. especially for women. It's like, yeah. like we're not taught to explore our bodies in that way, really. So 100% and it's shameful or like, oh, you know, little, little Jill in the corner is like playing with herself and she gets made fun of and there's shame, right? Or boys, it's, it's all in every yeah. gender. Mm-hmm. And so with self-pleasure, I love, I love that term so much more because it is all about yourself and it is truly all about pleasure. And so when I say that term, it could be anything. It could be 
going for a dance. It could be going on a hike. It could be singing. It could be an actual self-pleasure session where you're using toys, or maybe it's you giving yourself a nice warm coconut body oil massage. And, and I think when we really like focus and highlight on that word pleasure, like oftentimes it will end up in sexual pleasure, but it's, it can be sensual pleasure. It can be anything, but self-pleasure is such a beautiful tool because the relationship that we have to sex is so much more about the relationship that we have to our sexuality. And it stems from what were the messages when we were having growing up and what it's society and reclaiming your eroticism, reclaiming your inner goddess is so much more about sex, but it has so much to do with sex because sex is the root of who we are. It's the most powerful energy that we have access to, the one the one that's tied to money and our sense of self in the world. So if we can really slow down and find stillness and incorporate self-pleasure into our days in any way, shape, or form, it's going to serve you in so many ways. And when you're connected to your pleasure, you're, you're typically opening up the space for more breath, which is such another powerful tool as well. They kind of go hand in hand. So that's where I would start. 100%. I think breath is incredibly important, not only for like sexual eroticism and all of that stuff, but also just to like ground yourself and to like tune into like what you need, where your head's at. So often we're just so like uppity and, and it really does help when you take that time to slow down. I know when I get up there, I start comparing myself and judging myself. And then when I bring it back down and do some breath work, it's like, okay, no, I am here now and I am worthy. And it's like, you kind of find that self-love again once you do that. So breath work is huge. Um, When you were saying that, it reminded me of, you know, all this pleasure talk reminds me of the guilt that I sometimes have when I'm having pleasure because growing up in my household, my mom was a successful lawyer, but like she always, and she's an amazing human, but work always needed to be hard. Like she always was like, it was normal to stress and to have hardships and work was hard. And so now that I'm doing something that I love, it's hard for me to accept that, right? Because I feel so much guilt because in my mind, it's ingrained that work needs to be hard and stressful and all this stuff. So it's really like unlearning all of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was looking at your Instagram earlier, you said something how sexual energy is tied to relationships or money or no, it was money. So how is awakening that tied to finances? Because that's really interesting to me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love what you shared about the reflections of your mom and and just how you've received like the messaging in your family and society, because that is really what we have grown up in is in a world where pleasure isn't important. I think one of the first things that I uh, typically work with clients that are just starting to dive into this is the whole, like, I don't have time for pleasure. Like I just don't have time. And then we go deeper and it's like, well, because there are these stories that say that we we can't have that if we want the things that we want to desire. It is like a grind, reward-driven society when that's not really the truth. It's not the only one way of operating. Right. And then under that, there's typically um, – and this kind of ties into the religious programming – 
this was certainly for me, so I'll speak for my own self and some clients that I've worked with, but there's what I find sometimes is there's threads of unworthiness in there. I mean, it's such a part of the human experience unpacking that programming around like our unworthiness, but even with pleasure, like, do I deserve to, to feel this good? Is am I allowed to feel this good? Am I worthy enough? Can I take up this much space? And, and the muscle of receptivity is something that we mostly haven't worked, right? Um, and it reminds me of a client that checked in with me earlier today. And she was sharing some re revelations that she had uh, through going through one of my programs, which is all around awakening your feminine energy. And she was saying that she was having so many awarenesses come through about giving and taking because she was getting all of these messages about giving more. And she thought it was that she needed to give to her community and give to the world more and give more output, right? Which still has this like, and then I'll receive flavor to it. And she was saying, it's so not about that. Like I'm realizing that it's about me giving and giving it, giving to myself mm -hmm. and staying in alignment with me before being able to receive what's actually in alignment for me. And that's like, that's the puzzle, right? And it, it is this big unlearning. Uh, so that. that's incredible. Yeah. And now I totally blanked on your question. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> totally fine. I think it was tied to finances, but I love where oh, you were going with it. Okay. So money. Um, well, a little story. When I first went through the somatic sexological program that I went through, I was at a point where I had just exited up that, that abusive relationship that I was in and it left me with a pregnancy that I found out was later intentional. And so six months into that healing, I had moved to Denver with like a thousand dollars in cash, credit card debt, trying to figure out and like really get my business fully online, like moved in with my brother, didn't have um, enough money to pay, to help him pay rent. I had moved from New York city, so I didn't have a car. Like I was riding a bicycle in 40, 30 degree weather to the gym in Denver, didn't have much. And I just, it was such a beautiful process of not having anything in order to then create exactly what I wanted. But from a place of like, I have nothing to fucking lose. So I get to create this exactly in the way that I want. And I was fortunate enough to be able to lean on my brother and, and meal prep for him weekly in exchange for rent. But when I went through the somatic journey, I was at a point where I was just hitting like 5K months and I was on the track to hire. And I remember the investment was like a 15K investment. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I really don't. But I know that this is what I need. It was such a body resonance for me. And so I did what I needed to do. And within like three months was able to quadruple my income. I had my first wow. six figure year within about eight months. Wow. I didn't work with money. I didn't work with my money story. I didn't work with how do I build my business? Right. I wasn't working with a business coach at all. I went directly into childhood trauma, sexuality, and my own inner healing work. And that was what brought me to the dream life that I was wanting to create and working so hard around. So money is the same frequency as energy. I'm sorry, money is the same energy and frequency as love and sex. And they're all, you know, if you're looking at the, the chakra system, your first center, the root is all about your safety, right? It's like shelter, food, water, um, and safety primarily to oversimplify. And the second is all around your sexuality. It's your sense of self. And so if we don't feel safe in that first center, and most of us are walking around not feeling safe in our body because we're carrying around collective trauma and generational trauma and our own trauma. Like how can we move that energy up from there to actually move them through? How, how can we get to the heart? How do we get to our voice, to our third eye, right? in our crown, if these other centers are kind of blocked. And so when we work with sex, which is the energy of creation, 
we we end up tapping into like more of the 5D quantum realms or we are the deliberate creator and we can use sexual energy to actually manifest the life that we want. So I, I mean, that. tantra, sex magic, all of that stuff. That's so interesting to me because over the last few years, I'd say I've gotten way more comfortable, comfortable with my sexuality and like masturbating and like just like exploring my own body. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting to me how that, and I do believe everything is energy to my core. I believe that. And, and I think it's so interesting how taking, there's so much power in that sexual energy that can actually help you manifest your life outside, like things outside of sex. That's mm-hmm. so interesting to me. Um, for someone who like maybe hasn't even started exploring that, where would you tell them to start? Yeah, absolutely. And something that I think is really an interesting way of looking at the relationship between money and sex, it's like all of us have had some kind of sexual trauma in some different way, whether it's a big T or a small T or it's generational or it's collective. And I think especially as, as I want to say women, but I, it's so not about gender, like we're imprinted by all those before us, right? And so um, for those that have had any kind of like sexual experience, negative sexual experiences or sexual trauma, it it creates that lack of safety in the body. And so for Mm -hmm. those that have perhaps grown up in an abusive childhood or like sexual abuse, yeah, there's been some threads that like say that it's harder to save money. It's harder to have a savings account because we don't really know what it's like to feel safe in our bodies and in our world, right? So maybe we get the money and then we spend it. So for those that are just starting and just starting with the sexuality, is that the journey that you're asking about? Yeah. Yeah. Both. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I would say starting with, I'd have a pre, a free guide called pump up the pleasure. And it's all about starting a self-pleasure practice and really where to go from there. Mm -hmm. Um, It's free. It's on my website and on my Instagram. And in there, I take you through different avenues that you can really start to explore. I like to take both like the logical route and then the body route. We do so much up here. And if we can get into the body, the information that we need to look at and the things that we need to unpack will start to reveal itself. But if there are, if there is this hesitation in going into the body, which there often is, like for me, even when I signed up for this 15K program, like my homework was self-pleasure and like I should be like, fuck yeah, cool. I'm just going to masturbate all day. And I was like, <laughs> no, I can't even remember the last time I touched myself at that point. And so um, looking at like, what was your programming like growing up? What were the messages that you were told? And what do you think about sex? What do you think about sexuality? What do you think about your genitals? What do you think about the words for your genitals? How does it make you feel? What are the emotional signatures? What's like the somatic response that comes up for you? And starting to just unpack that a little bit and creating some space and then really moving into the body. And like I said before, it, it doesn't have to be sexual pleasure right now. It could just be tuning into the feminine expressions like singing and dance because Mm -hmm. the feminine is sexuality. They're not separate. So feminine expressions are like singing and dancing and soul singing and moving your body and, and emoting. Whereas when we think often of like mindfulness and embodiment, I hear like yoga and meditation and those are great. And they're also masculine forms. Mm -hmm. So like trying to get more into the expressive feeling, um, like the dark coming and those kinds of things. So again, for those of you that are starting, 
starting to really explore what your relationship is like to sex and sexuality, what it feels like, what, what is kind of present for you in your sexuality and starting to bring more play and pleasure in whatever way that you can. And then I would absolutely start with self-pleasure and starting to really explore your body because we are, like you said, everything is energy and we are the source, like each of us are our own individual and collective like point of energy, right? And so if we can understand what's going on within us and inside of ourselves, it just, it totally just shifts everything on the outside. I love the ebb and flow of masculine and feminine energy. Like we all have it and it's so cool to like not generalize yourself as like, oh, I am a man, therefore I am masculine. No, like we all have this like masculine and feminine energy and it's so cool. And I feel really um, blessed to have been a dancer my whole life because movement is like, it was like my first language. It's like, I knew how to express myself through movement before I even knew how to express myself verbally. Um, But you're right in that movement is so important when it comes to energetic stuff. I remember I also was in the fitness industry for a while in New York city. And like when I would do mobilizations and like get on a foam roller and like roll, like it re- like releasing that tension does so much for your mindset, for your energy, for your vibes, for, en- for really everything. I know it brought me so much clarity. So mm-hmm. I would encourage people to explore moving, especially if they're not a mover. I remember one time my good friend Adam is a really talented masseuse and he was doing something on me and lifted my leg up and he's very intuitive, I guess. Uh, and into this like energetic world and he was like "Ooh, I j-, he's like do you mind if I tell you something and I was like yeah sure whatever you want and he's like I just got this trauma over here from like your nuts dancing days and I was like oh my god and, but I believed him like I felt it it's just so interesting how we do store trauma in our bodies and I'm obviously not an expert on it but I can tell you that it exists and um, movement is very deeply tied into energy in in the whole. And I think that's what's so cool about somatics and embodiment is there's like a, there's a body knowing there's an energetic resonance that like you, you sometimes don't have words for, like you said, as -hmm. a practitioner, maybe we can sense and feel something and check back in with your client. And like, if there's resonance there, then let's explore that. And there's so much that lives in the body. And I love what you said around, you started to really like use movement as your language before you had words. And that's the case for, for humans. We didn't have words for a while and we did express their movement and we did release and um, recreate in movement. There's a book called Trance Dance by Frank Natale and he talks about recreation being really, it's, it's like recreation for recreation. And that's exactly what movement is. And even with you said about the ebb and flow of masculine and feminine, like they're, they're the same. And one of my clients was saying there, she did some polarity integrations and that's all that we, that they are right. Masculine and feminine. It's the same. It's like different energies on the same spectrum. So it's like, they're just more labels. And so sometimes naming it helps, but if we can just feel into it and not try to like box it or, or fit us ourselves or the thing into a box, like exactly. just move it. Like we are humans. We feel that is what on a deeper level than other 
animals and mm-hmm. stuff like that. That's why what makes us so special. So it's okay to feel. I feel like a lot of people shy away from feeling or are scared to feel. But I think the more that we talk about things like sex and pleasure and money, like some people, even with money, some people are like so scared to talk about it, but it's like, no, like we have the power to literally manifest anything. So what's the harm in just talking about it, putting it into the universe and like, I think that's where, like, sometimes I talk about things and I can tell people pull back or like don't want, which is fine. Like everyone has the right to be where they are in their journey. But I do want to encourage people to talk about things because I just think it makes, I don't know, what am I trying to say here? It just, it it normalizes that. It it makes it less taboo, I guess, Mm -hmm. talking about like that. I think it closes the separation between us too. And I think in this society, we've been groomed to just be picture perfect and not yeah. have feelings. And right. those women like throw on your makeup and be quiet and like all of those things that we hear all the time that we're very much breaking free from. But how much are we really like expressing our vulnerability and our current vulnerability? I think that was a lesson for me in my own journey was I was like, I'm so vulnerable. Like I share my whole fucking life in my podcast. And it's like, (laughs) but are you sharing what's present and vulnerable with those in your life? That is is huge because I can relate to that hundred percent because a a few years ago, more so than now, I would really, while I was like having this spiritual waking and kind of figuring out who I was, I would put it all on Instagram. And it was kind of very therapeutic and cathartic for me. Mm -hmm. I was sharing my journey and being vulnerable. And I felt like I was being so vulnerable, but then, but that's very different from actually being vulnerable with the people in your life and being vulnerable in relationships and knowing how to exactly what you want and how to communicate what you want in relationships. Like all of these things are very different than just blogging about it were totally. open on a social media platform. So um, when I posted early on my Instagram, a lot of people wanted to discuss modern day dating. Um, so can we can we go in that direction? Oh, yeah. um, what, first of all, how, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking. 29. Oh, cool. I'm 30. Mm-hmm. I just turned 30. Um, what's your sign? I'm a Virgo. I'm like, hey, I'm a Libra. Mm-hmm. My ex was a Virgo. And I joke that I'll never date another Virgo. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that's different from from like if relationships or friends i'm a rising libra so okay okay yeah um are cool. you dating anyone currently i am okay cool yeah um before you were in a relationship what was it like for you dating in today's world yeah mm. there's so many different ways that i could go in <laughs> oh i know well, we were obviously in COVID times. So uh, there were points that I was single during COVID and very much, I like I've used Hinge in the past and mm-hmm. have actually had really great success. Like I've met great men on there that are friends, like one works in my business for me. And, um, and then when COVID happened, there was kind of this like, I'm going to, you know, not use apps. And then there was, and then I went back to apps and I think there were only two points in my life that I've ever used them. And there's nothing wrong whether you do or you don't, but there was just that realization of, you know, how are you going to actually meet humans right now in this time if we're not using apps or we're not using the online space? So, um, so yeah, I think it was, it's been interesting to navigate in COVID, but I also think that, um, I'm thinking like 
consent and boundaries are going through my head and also being really clear on what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. So I can take it in any direction. Is there any way that you want me to go? Actually, so I saw something on your Instagram about the game. Let me pull it up. It was something about you make the rules to your own game or you play your own game or something like that. And I find your game. Yeah, you choose your game. That's it. And I find the game in dating very interesting because I do not believe in the game. Mm-hmm. But there are some dating and relationship podcasts, podcasts out there that are like, oh, no, you have to play the game. Girls can't be the aggressor, this, that, and the other, which I don't believe in double standards. I don't believe in any of that stuff. I think it's all silly. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, figure out who you are and then communicate what you want and see if you're on the same page. I do think there is some sort of push and pull that's very – energetic when you first start dating, but I don't think it's like the game. I think it's having boundaries and only allowing certain people in once you're sure you want them in your life. But I don't think it's, oh, I'm not going to text him or her so that they think I'm busy so that I'm more desirable so they can chase me type of thing. So what is your stance on the game? Oh, I really like this question. I don't think I've ever been asked it before. Um, So I've been doing a lot of work in gender equality over the last three months. And when I first entered into that work, it was kind of, it was a struggle for me in wrapping my head around so much of the things that I had learned in the relational space, because a lot of things that we're learning and fed in the relational space is around gender. Mm -hmm. And it's around one holds the masculine polarity and one holds the other. And that's not gender specific, but like, yes, we live in a very cis heteronormative um, society and, and, and especially the society. But I think that what comes up for me when you're speaking on the game is that it, it's ultimately going to come down to you and what feels good for you, what feels first and foremost good in your body, but what also feels good for you in relating. So my question would be like, how do you want to relate and what feels good for you in relating? So I think for me in the last few months, I had some things come up in the relational space for me where I was like, ooh, my, my top priorities in relating right now is integrity, mm-hmm. communication, respect, and um, I think that's it, and like clarity. Yeah. And if, if those things aren't there, I'm not sure if I'm interested in relating. If we can't communicate in a way that's supportive, like that's not my vibe. I've, I've been in relationships where there's not great communication and that served me at that point. Now it doesn't. Integrity, super fucking important. If we're going to like set a day and a time, we show up. And I think that in the personal development space for at least my experience over the last year, and this has been a wild year, but I feel like there's a lot of talk around like self, right? And serving self and um, putting yourself first. But I feel like sometimes that can be used in such a shadowy way where it's like, I'm just going to blow off all my people all the time because I need to take care of me. And it's like, there's a balance between integrity, sticking through with your word and like prioritizing your relationships and yourself. So I feel as if it comes down to what's most important for the individual and what feels good. And then specifically for the game, I'm going to speak for myself too. Like for me, being in my feminine has now, is now my baseline where it wasn't for a long time. And so for me in dating, I did play the game because I was also very much living out my masculine polarity. And so uh, I was more aggressive and dominant in my life 
but I didn't like really want that in the bedroom or in my relationship. And I had to learn that, okay, a really masculine dominant man, which is the man that I want to be with, isn't going to let me push and poke and withhold and manipulate and control, right? Like I need to be in my soft feminine flow. That doesn't mean that those qualities aren't there for me, but it's the way, it's the way that I show up energetically in dating that then will call in and attract certain men. So I think it's what comes up for me is it's more of a reframe from playing the game into like, rather than the game, rather than you having to play the game to hide things about yourself, can we play a game that's actually serving us? Because at the end of the day, we are playing a game, right? Like in the business world, I think when I wrote that post, I was saying, I don't, I don't like rules. I don't, I don't love systems and structures. I have a team that supports me in that, but like I can set a plan and then I'm going to flow and I'm going to trust and lean with my intuition and lead from my feminine. Whereas maybe before that would have been like a shadow thing of, I don't like these things and I don't want to do them because maybe I'm scared of failure or I'm scared of too much responsibility and then I'm going to hide. So there's a difference in that. And so Like you choose whatever game you're playing in any space. Do you want to play the game where your man is a little bit abusive with you? Sure. Play that game. You could do that. Is that the game you want? Or do you want to play a game that's a little different? That's like a big example, but it's all about what game you want to play and and can you let it work for you? Yeah. And, and I like how you said, can we play like, and maybe not the game that society knows so well, but maybe a game that serves us, but serves us both, not serves yeah. me selfishly, <laughs> that serves us as we explore whatever this is. Um, yeah. Because I think the normal game is a game that serves the individual, which is fine if you, if that's where you are in your journey, but it's, yeah, coming, bringing it back to what do I actually want from this? Well, I feel like even with like those texting examples, right? It's like, why are we playing the game via text? Is it because we're trying to act cool? Are we trying to control the way that we're being perceived? Is it because we don't want to come off as too much? Like those are, those are things worth exploring rather than like, I want to show up in a soft way and maybe I'm going to not answer this man I've done that where I'm like, I'm not going to let you in my space. I don't like, I'm not going to communicate right away because I have, I'm going to like keep the space there, but that's more for me. And then we can work in closing that space, which is more of, to me, that feels more like clean. Totally. And also can be communicated, right? Like this is the way that I operate in relating. Exactly. Where do you operate from? Can we play together? Yeah. And in order to be able to play this, I would say it's a game that has more emotional, like EQ, mm-hmm. intelligence. Sure. Um, you need to know yourself enough and you can't get, you can't assume and you have to be able to communicate. You can't assume that the other person is doing something to spite you or like to whatever. You have to just communicate that. And I had something else and I just lost it. It'll come back to me. <laughs> but um, I think a lot of times, assuming gets us into a lot of trouble. 100%. Yeah. And you have to have the ability to communicate effectively. Um, and that could still be like spicy and fun and witty. I think sometimes totally. people are like, oh, we can't talk too much about the relationship because that'll take away the mystery or the fun or like the spice. 
in the mm-hmm. beginning stages. But I think that there's a way that you can do that in a witty, fun way and you don't get hurt at the end. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I feel like even with like when you were speaking before, I was thinking about Dom sub dynamics, like that's a game and there's so much healing potential in the kink space. And so, but, but it's choice, right? It's like, there's a conscious choice. Two humans are coming together and saying, this feels good to me. This feels good to you. Does our game match? And do we want to play? And, and like there might be hurt in there, right? But at least there was clarity and communication on what you were both buying into there. And there's always shadow, but like, it's again, that like feeling into what is there and is this in alignment? Can we talk about the kink space a little bit? Yeah. How do we, so that's something that I really have, like I'm open to like literally everything. I'm very open-minded, but that's something that I haven't really played, like explored much what would be like kink for beginners? I guess. So yeah. So I'm also an erotic blueprint coach. I'm not sure if you've heard of the erotic blueprints, but they're, it's kind of a framework for sexuality. They're super, super fun. Uh, if you go to my Instagram bio at Julianne Vaccaro, there's a link in there that says take the blueprint quiz. Mm-hmm. There's, there's five different erotic blueprints. So there's sensual, sexual, kinky, um, shapeshifter, and energetic. So for kinky, there's two types of kink. There's uh, sensation and then there's psychological. So sensational kink is kind of going to be like, I want to play with floggers. And um, I realized that I was very sensual more than I realized. I'm like, I have like fur and, and all <laughs> fabrics all over my home. Everything's velvet. So I'm like looking for stuff, but like different fabrics that you can play with or uh, different toys like vibrations and things like that that are sensation play that would be a form of kink. So bringing in these other things, but also you could, you can kind of play with that with your own body. Like nails would be kind of kinky. That's a great starting point. If you want to play with kink, like scratching. And to just be direct about it with your partner, like, Hey, I want to explore this. I think directness is always the best way Mm -hmm. to go about things. Yeah. A client asked me the other day how she could start to bring in the erotic blueprints into a new partnership that she's forming and how she can do that in a way that doesn't necessarily challenge this man's ego. And I was saying like, I would, I would come in with so much excitement, like fuck our sex is so good. And like, I just discovered these erotic blueprints and there's five different kinds. And like, God, could you imagine how good our sex would be? Like, like not how good our sex, but could you imagine like where our sex could go and what we could play in and like, what are some of your fantasies? What do you like? We don't ask those things. Like if we were, yeah. It's okay not to know what you want and to go to your partner and be like, actually, I don't know. It feels good. Like, let's explore it together. Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing wrong with that either. Totally. Um, I think sometimes there's so much shame surrounding like not knowing how to orgasm or not knowing how to pleasure yourself, but like you can explore that solo and you can also explore that with someone. Like there's really no right or wrong way to do it. 100%. And that's where like you know, I think in the sexuality space, I have a lot of women who come to me and are like, should I start this before or after a partner? I'm like, I've been, I've been single for a lot of my journey in this space and that's not stopped me. And, and I've had partners, but I've done a lot of that exploring within my own and then taken that to partners and can go higher in those experiences because I know my body and there's practice of letting go. There's practice of surrender, which is really like 
if you want anything to make your sex better, it's like presence and intention, mm-hmm. but being able to be in a place of like surrender and non-control. I love that. Uh, do you have mostly women clients or male clients as well? Mostly women, but I do work with men as well. So I think this is so interesting and I think more men should tap into this um, mindset of like letting go. Um, I hate to like do genders, but for like men who maybe are scared to explore this, do you have any advice for them? Mm. Yeah. Where's the fear coming from? Yeah. What are you fearful of? Because a lot of guys, I know things are changing these days, um, especially as like our generation starts to have children, but a lot of people were raised thinking the man needs to be macho and strong and not show emotion. And I think that plays into sex. So maybe like doing some self-work and then figuring out what you want and who you are and then learning to let go in that way. I don't know. That's not an <laughs> expert advice. That's just me processing it and working through it. But yeah, I, I would assume something along those lines. I think that's a great response. I think I, I'm always come back to the self because if we don't know ourselves, how can we know another human? If we can't see ourselves for all that we are like the divine within our own selves, how can we sit there in front of another? Right. And, and like, yes, these surrounding people can be a catalyst for the inner journey. They all are, but it, it truly all does come down to the self. So um, if you're not, in love with you how can you really like love another for all of their imperfections so i think with men you brought up great points around like the programming around masculinity Mm -hmm. uh and the expectations that we have on men to to it kind of goes both ways like there was so much of the macho-ness and so much of the of like you have to be you have to be a man you have to be hard and now we're shifting more into feminism where we've shifted into feminism which is now kind of super generally speaking, like made our men a little bit softer and made, and has like kind of scared them into being in their healthy dominance because we've been in such an unhealthy masculine dynamic for so long. So now there's like archetypes, like the nice guy who, Mm. you know, does whatever the woman wants. And the woman's never going to choose the guy that just does whatever she wants. Cause there's no polarity. Like we want a male that's going to fucking kill when we get attacked. But if we can kill you, then like, are you really trustworthy? <laughs> Do I really want to mate with you? If I can kill that's you. So interesting. <laughs> that is really interesting. So wow. I think, I think with men, it's, it's, it, there's so much like every gender and, and non-binary trans, like there's so much within each category And that's where it's so important to do the inner reclamation work around polarities, gender and sexual orientation, like all of those different pieces, because like what feels good for you in your body as a male? Do you feel really good in a dominant way? I think a lot of men do. And then I also think that some other men like that doesn't feel great in their system in the same way that for many women being in their, like being more like 60 masculine 40. Say that again. I was going to say submissive, but I think yeah, going a different way with it. totally. No, no, yeah, but that's true. Like it could, it's more. Is it more like submissive? Does that feel good when men take the lead, or is it more dominant? Right. And like doing the inner work can show you: is this is this shadow? Like I lived most of my life in my masculine, but it wasn't because I it the feminine didn't feel good. There was just programming around like it's it's too sensitive and it's too emotional and ooh girly. Like I remember an ex called me girly, and I was like, how fucking dare you? <laughs> 
I'm not girly. Do you see these muscles? Like I was so mad. And now I'm like, I'm so feminine. Right. So, so that was like a reclaiming for me. So I think with all of us doing that inner work and finding a strong sense of self and clarity and our our past and where we want to go. I love that. We're just gonna, um, I mean, I could talk to you all day, but we're going to wrap up with, um, toxic relationships and just like knowing yourself loving yourself and knowing yourself and doing the grounding work to like forgive yourself for those because and I might cut this out but recently I explored something with one and it only lasted a week until I realized that the old me would have probably turned the red flags green and kept going with it just because of my because of um whatnot but really proud of myself for kind of how I handled it and like stating my boundaries and even though like the whole situation was so toxic because then there were other people involved and then he like got with a friend of mine and it was just like I just had to remove myself from all of the toxicity and I kind of found myself judging myself for even exploring it but then after doing grounding work I was like no, I had the right to explore this situation and I'm proud of myself for how I, for how I, I shouldn't done wanting to explore something. So like, I don't know, there's a lot of judgment, I feel like with the self, but I do just want to tie it back to like grounding work and self-love is really like the first step for really all of our relationships with ourselves, with others, with food, with literally everything. Would you agree? Yeah. Self-judgment is huge. I think that it's, I truly feel like it all comes down to permission and judgment. Like where, where are we giving ourselves the most contraction and where are we putting the most pressure and where are we judging others and which are really just judgments of ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And I also think, um, there's like two things that come up because I think it sounds like from what you shared, there was such incredible progress in that, right? Like it only lasted one week and there were flags and you caught them and you, you did what was best for you. Um, and I think that, I think it can be sometimes beneficial to just to like, leave it there. Like I saw flags and I turned the other way and him coming into your life was, didn't like, yes, everything's co-created, but, but like people come in your path and it doesn't always mean something about you. And I think in the spiritual conscious space, I include myself in this big time. I love to take responsibility. And someone's like, how did I create this? Right. And it's been a process for me to just be like, this wasn't, yes, there was co-creation here and here's my point. Here's my part. And like, I can, I can leave there. I I think leave it at that. That's what it was because I do like one of my girlfriends who danced at the, the nets came on to the podcast and she was like, when you're in your power, like you won't even explore things like that like your energy will just be so good that you won't even attract that into your life and so I think I judged my There was a huge part of me that loved it 
and mm-hmm. got off on it. Yeah. So even exploring like, where's the get off in it? Like that, that thrill and that not if for, for just anyone listening, like, you know, our, our biggest, like, patterns, right? Where let's say like we keep facing failure. Like, is that, there's there, there's that part of us that's like, just want like, yeah, I failed and it fucking feels good to fail. And like, if we can accept that, right. And lessen the judgment and remove the judgment and bring love in, like we often just complete the patterns. So I think there's like a very, a like, couple different avenues in that. Yeah. I love that. That's amazing. Um, I love your mindset. Thank you so much for being here. Tell everyone where they can find you and if there's anything else you want to leave off yeah, on. Absolutely. Um, I'm Julianne Vaccaro, well, julianvaccaro.com and then at Julianne Vaccaro on Instagram. Um, my pump up the pleasure free guide is both on my website and on my Instagram. But if you go to the Instagram and my link tree, I have everything that I mentioned to you on the show today. Thank you so much for being here.